Welcome to the Fracture Line, the official weekly news feed from the Chest Wall Injury Society, where we will listen to all the bottom line CWIS updates, shoutouts, fun facts, and weekly banner. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Crisco, and I'm joined always by Dr. Tom White, Dr. Adam Kay, and Sarah Ann Woodbeck. All right. Well, welcome back to another episode of Fracture Line. Uh, I get to be your host today. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm Zach Baldwin. For those of you that don't know me, we're talking about fixing ribs and fixing ribs. And uh, today we're joined with Dr. Tom White, our CEO, Sarah Ann Whitbeck, and one of our high profile members, Dr. Everett Erickson, who you will notice is not here today, is Dr. Mark Criscow. Second week in a row, he stood us up. Very, very disappointed he's not here today to talk about something that I love. Uh, that's making ribs. So uh, welcome everyone to the show. And I'm going to turn it over to uh, Dr. Erickson to talk about like barbecuing or smoking or how he likes to prepare his ribs for the summer uh, barbecue feast that he hosts. Wait, wait, wait. I think before we go to Dr. Erickson, we should each lodge one guess of what we think Dr. Crisco is doing right now, not participating in the pod. I'm going to say picking daisies. I'm going to suggest he's dogging us for a different podcast. He's exploring some other venue. We're going to hear about it soon. Oh my gosh, that would be such treason if he was cheating on us with another pod. Dr. Erickson, would you like to lodge a guess? That's awesome. I'm not sure that my guesses are better than y'all's, but my bet is he is gallivanting the world somewhere on another ski trip to make all of us jealous that we're not with him. That's a very good guess. He's somewhere in the Southern Hemisphere. New Zealand or somewhere. I can see that being the case. Okay. I'd like to point out that Dr. Hansen's also not with us this week. He ditched but he's us. a resident. He's a hardworking person. Yeah, well, that's 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 hardly an excuse. We would never use an excuse like, "Well, oh, I'm just I'm a resident. I'm yeah. too busy." Back in the day, <laughs> just the opposite. I'm a resident. Give me more to do. That's a very good point. Yeah. You know, if there's a 50-50 chance of working not working, I like the odds that Dr. Hansen <laughs> is working and Dr. Crisco is not working. So yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a first week of June excuse coming at the next podcast. He's orienting his interns. Yep, I feel strongly about that as well. Okay, back to uh, fixing ribs and fixing yeah, ribs. Yeah, fixing ribs. Let's fix some. Let's fix some delicious ribs. Not the type of ribs that we're used to fixing in the operating room. But tell us about what ribs you like to fix outside the operating room, Doctor Erickson. I love barbecuing just about anything, and I've always loved barbecue for a long, long time, but I started really getting into smoking and cooking barbecue with the pandemic. As the pandemic came in, all the barbecue restaurants around Charleston shut down, so I had to start cooking from home, and fortunately I had a couple buddies who were professional cooks and competition barbecue guys in college, and they turned me on to pellet grill smokers. So I bought my first pellet grill smoker, and that was the end of it. I started smoking stuff once or twice a week, and anything I can find needs a little bit of smoke put on it. Ooh, I like that. Number one, I like that you threw out pellet grill smokers. If pellet grill is listening, CWIS expects a cut of that advertisement, please. Um. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is our new non-news revenue strategy. I like it. So I have limited experience smoking, and most of the time I just smoked a brisket through an electric smoker. Is Pellegrill an electric smoker? Or is, I mean, do you have to keep a close eye on this uh, throughout the entire process? So Pellegrill is not a specific brand. If we want to start Ooh. throwing brands around, I'll start doing that too. But pellet smokers have a hopper that holds hardwood pellets in it, and it has an auger that drives them into a burn chamber. And that burn chamber uh, burns that and produces the smoke and the heat to cook the meat. 
Now, the really cool part about some of the smokers out there is they can be remotely controlled. So mine is hooked into my home Wi-Fi, which then ties into my cell phone, and I can actually adjust my cooks from the operating room or anywhere else that I am. So I've put cooks on the smoker and gone up to the pool and hung out at the pool all day, watching the kids, everything else, and I can adjust it and get the cook done when I get home. I've also put pulled pork and briskets on when I leave in the morning to go to work and I can monitor the cook from the OR and from the trauma bay. And then I've got my kids trained up to be able to wrap them and I call them on their phones and say, hey, it's time to go wrap the pork or wrap the brisket and they go down, wrap it for me when it hits the right temperature and then I can tailor it to get done right about the time I'm getting home from work. So the ability to remote control these things is awesome and makes smoking a whole lot easier when you're a busy surgeon. That does sound pretty fantastic. Do you ever just for fun be like, man, I really want to just slap some plates on these ribs and then eat them? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that. One of my favorite places to eat leftover ribs is actually my rib clinic. I have a full day per week uh, rib clinic and lunch is normally leftover barbecue and often ribs and the nurses and everybody in the clinic take great pleasure in the fact that the rib clinic is run by me and then I eat ribs at lunch. Wonderful. So Everett, I was doing a little thinking about rib meat and the musculature, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're eating the intercostal muscle, correct? Correct, as well as some of the paraspinous if you like baby backs. Okay, and what makes those muscles so, I don't know, so tasty? They seem very lean. Is that all slow twitch muscle without fat? or Tell us why rib meat is so yummy. Well, part of what makes rib meat yummy is not only the fat that's in it, but then also the seasoning you put on it and how well it penetrates in there. Now, the key is to get a little bit of a fattier meat, and there's a type of pork called a Kubota pork, which is delicious. The only place I know of to get it is a mail-order place online, but it's been referred to as the Wagyu of pork and it has a little bit more marbling to it. And a lot of the flavor in these meats comes from the rendering of the fat that's in the intramuscular areas, as well as the type of muscle itself. And obviously the you know bacon tastes a lot different than ribs. I and mean, each area of a pork or a cow is a little bit different. But I think it's a combination of just the muscle that's in there, the amount of fat, and the cooking process where you really break it down and take a tough meat and make it you know, fall off the bone soft. So it's a lot of technique as well as the what's in there. Hmm. Is there a best way to eat the meat off a rib? I kind of like to chew mine, you know, sort of corn on the cob style, you know, kind of carnivore style. Well, you know, back and forth, you know, kind of taking it off the bone like a corn on the cob. Is that the right way to do it? Or should you take it off delicately with a knife and fork? There's no delicate around our place. You just <laughs> pull a rib off of the rack and eat. But I've got three kids at home that all like them as well. So when they hit the table, they disappear pretty quick. I'll bet. Now, the big debate is how do you like your ribs cooked? So do you like a little bit of bite on them where it sticks to the bone and you got to work it off a little bit? Or do you want the true fall off the bone, baby back rib type of action? I'm kind of a fall off the bone guy, but the competition guys want a little bit of bite where you got to pull the meat off the bone. I'm going to work for it. I kind of want that mess on my face. Kind of like I'm a two-year-old. I just ate. Because <laughs> I think that shows the chef that like I really enjoyed the food. At least that's what I've been told. So <laughs> Yes. That's exactly what it's telling everyone around you. That That's the meta message. Pre-Charlotte, we were talking about a rib dinner and a demonstration of a barbecue system and stuff or a smoking system. 
I'm hoping that we can do something like that in 2024. Sarah, what do you think? Will the summit tolerate some sort of picnic rib fest sort of thing out on the grass outside the hotel or in a park or something? Or It's very possible. Certainly possible. I do think there's a chance that that could work in for this next year. If not, you know, certainly on the docket for 2025, it's, you know, we are a rib group. I think if we don't serve ribs, we're really kind of missing the opportunity. Yeah. I think you're right. I think we need to get these smoke guys to get a vendor booth as well and show off their action. Yes. And they should let me borrow one for free, like an in-kind donation to the CUS headquarters for me to use so that then I can give a full-throated, you know, approval. I think that's right. really what we're missing here. Or you just have to take a research mission down to South Carolina, right. CUS capital, right. and I'll cook you up whatever you want. See, I feel like if I were your neighbor... I would be the neighbor that never goes home, you know? Like what that sitcom where the neighbor always comes over, I can't remember now, from like the 90s, right? And the neighbor is always over. I would be that person, Reese right? Company. Right, well, and you'd be like, <laughs> please go home now. And like, but are you gonna eat? Like, do you wanna feed me before I go? Like my neighbors do barbecue in the backyard, but then they don't invite me over. And so then I just sit in my kitchen and salivate over whatever salad I've made. That's of course not good as in comparison to whatever like meaty deliciousness they've just grilled. And oh, it's, it's just not fair. I bet you're a really good neighbor like that. Well, Sarah Ann, whenever you want to get unhealthy, you're welcome to come on down yeah. to Charleston and we'll, <laughs> we'll feed you all kinds of things that aren't healthy. Yes, I, I feel like that is the case. I think I'll do that. So Everett, I, I may have missed this. You were talking about pork ribs primarily, but do you ever cook beef ribs too? I do. Beef ribs are delicious. They take a really long time to cook and they are super duper rich. I find I get filled up really fast on them. Maybe one or two ribs is all I can eat, but they are quite yummy. You said a term, and I think that we should coin this term. You said uh, something about this pork brand being the Wagyu of pork. I think that we should start uh, phrasing, oh, that was the Wagyu repair of chests. I think we should like uh, incorporate Wagyu into our uh, chest repair. So like, when you really do something spectacular, oh, that was the Wagyu repair of chests. Right. That was the Wagyu right. repair of all repairs. I feel good about that. Or Kobe. Or Kobe, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yep. I was talking about the chest wall Whipple the other day, but I guess I'll have to rebrand it into <laughs> Wagyu. <laughs> what if we can sell that one to CMS? Like that's just going to be our billing code, the Wagyu repair. Like they just know it's it's intense. <laughs> yeah. It's big. It's awesome. It'll become a rating system. <laughs> I'm sure many of our listeners know, but you're you've been one of our legacy members and a very productive and and loyal member of CWIS. And for that, we thank you. But I think you've also are a pioneer in this concept of having a rib specific practice or clinic. And so I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to tell us about that. And then maybe a few comments about the um, collaborative centers, uh, which you're intimately involved in. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for that question. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we've uh, been working really hard at growing the chest wall injury and reconstruction center down at the Medical University of South Carolina for a while now. It all started back in the really fall of 2019 when I first received the data from the non-flail study and showed improvement in those patients and their outcomes. And I started looking at the patients who were coming to see me in clinic and realized there were a lot of patients being sent home from local emergency rooms that would qualify for surgical intervention or likely would qualify for surgical intervention. 
And that started me on the idea of the chest wall clinic in seeing patients the day after their injury and allowing the local emergency rooms to send their patients home and refer them over to me. And we started growing that practice. And then the pandemic hit. And that was a mixed blessing for development of the center as the telehealth laws were released a little bit and liberalized where we could see patients further outside of the Charleston area and they didn't have to drive all the way to Charleston. So it was really a shot in the arm for the chest wall center to be able to reach out electronically and visit with those patients virtually without them having to travel sometimes many hours to get to Charleston. And since then, it's grown through both uh, education on to the providers and patients throughout the Carolina region, as well as word of mouth propagation and patients finding me on the internet to where it's grown from half a day, two weeks a month to a full day clinic every week uh, where we see only rib fracture patients in the rib fracture chest wall reconstruction clinic. So it's undergone amazing growth since the fall of 2019 through the pandemic and we're able to grow it through the pandemic which I think was a a really awesome accomplishment. We're really pleased with what we've created down there and we continue to try to optimize the care of those patients and improve it but it's continuing to prosper and we're very pleased with it. I'm also really excited about the progress we've made with the Collaborative Centers. The Collaborative Centers initiative started about two years ago, and we started initially with a handful of centers that were recognized as Collaborative Centers, and it's grown exponentially over the last two years to where we have well more than 30 centers now involved in the Collaborative Centers network. We've produced two very interesting research projects, and we have multiple candidates that are coming down the pipeline this year as the Collaborative Centers 3 and possibly even Collaborative Centers 4 projects, as well as we are working on an initiative to videotape some patient-facing educational uh, videos that will be branded under the Collaborative Centers and can be co-branded with the institutions themselves at the centers that are collaborative centers. So if you're not a collaborative center, there's a lot of really nice initiatives that are going on, research opportunities, as well as patient education opportunities that will be presented to you as a collaborative center and a benefit to membership of the collaborative centers. If any of y'all are thinking about becoming a collaborative center, please reach out to myself, Tom, Sarah Ann, Andy Dobin, any of the leadership of CWIS, and we're happy to let you know more about the initiatives there or get your application in so we can get you approved and get you started on some of these initiatives. It's a real benefit to your program, yourself and your patients. So we look forward to more people participating in the Collaborative Center's initiative. Sarah, do you have any updates for us this week? I sure do. This upcoming Wednesday, we have Dr. Bill DeVoe, who was a fellow with Dr. Erickson doing Journal Club. Um, He'll be discussing a recent publication from his team that came out in injury, and it's specifically looking at, you know, kind of plating of the elderly patient, or SSRF, I should say, in the elderly patient. So nothing quite like the demonstration of a good thing when one of your trainees is performing and excelling and continuing on that flame and teaching their own trainees as well. So. I think that's a good nod to Dr. Erickson. 
Well, that sounds fantastic. A lot of, a lot of uh, good education coming up here. Should we go ahead and do our final stitches and then wait to see if Ever gets back on? Um, my final stitch for the day is really just an offer of my best healthcare services. I am sure everyone is, is hanging on a thread to know what will happen with Aaron Judge's toe. His big toe on his right foot was injured in June when he crashed into a wall at the Dirty Dodgers Park, you know, as he valiantly tried to catch a, a ball and, and of course, being the stellar, you know, man of an athlete that he is, he was able to accomplish the task. In doing such, he's sustained a tragic injury that's kept him out of the lineup and, and it's really been distressing for Yankees fans. And I just wanted to offer my sincere condolences Aaron Judge, if you need me to come out and take care of you, all I need is the wink and the nod. I'll be on the next plane. JFK, <laughs> me. Salt Lake City to JFK, there are non-stops every day, all day. There are two Delta hubs. I will be there. They say that he'll come back in the next month, but that it can take years for a lingering toe injury like this to heal. So that offer stands, people. It stands. I can do this job from there. And I will if Aaron Judge calls. So Aaron Judge, if you're listening, I'm available. And you are you are a kind individual. Thank you. You are correct. The altruism and the self-sacrifice is just dripping from the microphone. Yes, that is exactly how I see my offer. Thank you. I'm glad you do as well. Exactly. Oh, no, I just was going to say today, I don't know like how you do this, but did you know that today is virtually hug a virtual assistant day? I have no clue what that means, but it just sounds um, interesting. So find your, weird find your virtual assistant and virtually hug them, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like the idea of a virtual hug, not a real hug. My hands around my computer here. If you guys can see me just hugging my computer. <laughs> I felt it. I feel yeah. hugged from three states away, and that's bold. You know, I keep my phone in my shirt. I hold it in my brocket, so I feel like maybe I'm kind of giving it a hug every day. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I think for my final stitch this week, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to the awesome advances that are coming for the collaborative centers in CWIS over the next year, and I'm even more excited about the multiple weeks of vacation I'm taking over the next month and a half. So if I don't get back to you right away, it's because I'm gone. Dr. White, do you have a final stitch? Oh, I just wanted to make a comment about the Tour de France. It's too bad it, it takes place in France. Otherwise, it would be a perfect sporting event. <laughs> just that one detail that keeps it from being perfect. The competition this year is this mano a mano battle between the Slovenian and, and the Dane, and it's just so good. It's just so good. But as they make their way towards Paris, I think we might see a little interactivity between protesters and the tour. That'll be very interesting to see how that works out. So anyway, that's my comment. Thanks, guys. Right, thank good seeing you. Have a great rest of your yeah, week. We'll see you guys later. Okay. Okay, good Thanks to talk to you guys.